Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. All right, you got the choice. The Lord's made the day, the Lord has made your life, and He gives you the choice. Will you rejoice? Will you be glad? All right, who's going to rejoice tonight? Who's going to be glad? Come on, let me hear some rejoicing tonight. Let's be glad. Let's rejoice in our God. Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord. We joy in you. We thank you that our, our God is alive, alive right now and very, very active and very involved in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Roth and Kristen, which one of you would like to be the spokesperson for what happened at the emergency room last week? Kristen, come up here. You're prettier than him anyway, so <laughs> tell him what happened. Last week, our eight-year-old fell and busted her face open, and my immediate thoughts were, we don't have insurance. And I prayed over her before we left the house that God would have favor on us and that I would magically somehow not have to pay anything. And we get to the ER, and the whole time I was never second-guessing it. Or I was filling out the paperwork. I had three of my kids with me. And when we were leaving, they told me the total was nine seventy-five. And I was like, "Wow, for some tape and glue, that's that a lot of money. Nine hundred and seventy-five dollars." And so I, she asked me if I could pay nine seventy-five. I said, "Well, can I pay payments?" And she said, "No. Can you pay two seventy-five?" I said, "No, we can pay one seventy-five. And she said, "Well, we'll have to write it off." And so I didn't have to pay anything. So it went from <laughs> nine. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was awesome. So it went from 975 to nothing, and that's God's favor. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you for sharing that. We were talking last week about um, Joseph, you know, and, and the favor of God on his life, and, and this had just happened. So she's sitting out there thinking, oh, my goodness, this just happened for us. We just experienced it's the favor of God. I said, well, next Wednesday I want you to share it. So it's, that's beautiful, isn't it? So next time you go to the doctor, just say, I can only pay 175 and see what happens. <laughs> Uh, praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 39 as we have been walking slowly now here toward the end of the book of Genesis. It's been a good journey through this book and, um, and we spent some time on, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of course, uh, Noah as well. And, but we are really soaking in the life of Joseph because most of this book is dedicated to his life. Over a quarter of it is dedicated to the life of Joseph. So many events in his life, and they made sure, God made sure that to record these things and, and so many of the details and the events in his life so that we can glean from these truths. Remember I talked to you about how we don't look to the, to the Old Testament necessarily to, to live our lives from that. Well, this is really, Genesis really isn't an Old Testament book. It's not an Old Covenant book. This is the Abrahamic Covenant. Um, and the Noah covenant. So the old covenant, that is when the law came, came in, in Exodus. But these are still people who walk by faith in God, but they didn't have the revelation that you and I do today. They didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. They didn't have Christ in them, the hope of glory. And so you have a better covenant today, established upon better promises. So but when we walk by faith in Christ, and we when we read through the Old Testament, we really 
go there to find Jesus because he's everywhere. And it, it's really not for us. Let me say this and, and make it clear for you. It is, it is not our responsibility to preach the whole Bible. It is our responsibility to preach Jesus from the whole Bible. <laughs> All right? Because if you just preach what, the, what all the Bible says, you're going to be very confused. But whenever we find the author or the purpose of, the object of, the subject of the Scriptures, who is Jesus, then, then now things make sense, all right? And, and we have the revelation of Jesus that we know of from the Apostle Paul. We wouldn't know anything about Jesus if it hadn't been for that Apostle, who Jesus called to give us a message, and who Peter, James, and John and the like went to the Jewish people and brought the gospel to them. But we wouldn't have any of that revelation. If all we had was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we would fall way short. But God gave us revelation of the new covenant for the Gentile through this apostle Paul. So now we understand that through that, through that lens or through that scope, now we can look back into the prior times, before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and learn some truths. Take these in. How? By faith. By faith. And, and learn from them. So that's why we've really been walking slowly through Joseph's life. And just to give you a little review um, before we get into tonight, and that is some things about Joseph's life that he could not help but yet was hated for. Number one, he was born. You can't help being born. All right? The people that procreated could help that, but you couldn't help being born. It had nothing to do with it. Joseph was born, and because he was born, his dad favored him. And because his dad favored him, his brothers hated him. Just because he existed. They should hate their dad. They shouldn't hate Joseph. And if they're going to be angry at somebody, dad is playing favorites. Should he be doing that? No, he shouldn't be doing that. This is his 11th son. By then, the scripture says he's the son of his old age. So as I said before, he's more grandpa than he is dad at this point in his life. So he favors his son on all he was born, and his brothers hate him. That's really not fair. And then also he dreams dreams. When do you dream dreams? When you sleep. Is everybody in here sleep? All right? You've been hated for that? No? You dream dreams, and that happens in sleep. So that's another thing he couldn't help. He was born, and he slept. All right? So he was favored, and God gave him dreams. That part was God's doing. That even wasn't Joseph's doing. His father's doing and God's doing, and yet his brothers made him the target of their hatred and their envy. Those, these two things, let me just remind you of this believer, that when you became a child of God, God put a dream in your heart. His dream is his purpose and his plan for you. And, and that's when you really woke up and began to realize it. He had, he had put that in you when you were conceived. But when you came to know him, that's when you became aware that your life was created for a greater purpose than just itself, that you're a part of something grand and wonderful. So you are going to experience more and more, especially as you look for these things. See, God has favored all men, but not all men receive his favor. All right? But the more you look to expect it, you look to find it, that's exactly what's going to happen. And we also talked about last week how you often find things because you've been looking for those things. 
Um, there are th- times you accidentally find something, but most of the time you find something is because you were expecting to find it. You were searching it out. The scripture says that Joseph found favor with Potiphar, all right? Uh, he, had, he had already had favor with his dad, and I have a feeling now he's looking for another opportunity to have favor again. So he's looking for it. The scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph therefore was a successful man, and that he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He was a successful man. The Hebrew word literally means prosperous man, okay? So Joseph was a prosperous man. Now remember, Joseph owns nothing at this point. He is a slave, all right? How can he be prosperous with a collar around his neck, being led around by a rope? How can he be prosperous not owning anything? Any kind of food, shelter, or clothing that would come to him would come from his master. Yet the scripture says... He was prosperous. Why? Because the Lord was with him, all right? And the world's definition of success and prosperity is about what a man has. But God's definition of success and prosperity is about who has the man. So God has given us his word to have and to see what our lives can be. He has given us the answers for life's difficulties and, struggle, and struggles. And, and you know that Joseph had to remind himself from time to time as he's enduring the kinds of things he's enduring. That is that the Lord is with me. I want you to say that right now. The Lord is with me. And you're going to have to remind yourself of those things when it doesn't look like that's a reality in your life. When you're experiencing something that his word says is not for you to experience. When you're experiencing something less than life and that much more abundantly. All right? That's when you have to say, no, the Lord is with me. The Lord is because your declaration determines your destination. Okay, the God um, who was with you when the trouble came into your life, do you know that he was with you when the trouble came? When the trouble came, marching through the front door of your life, God didn't leave out the back door. All right? He stayed right there with you. He said, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say the same thing. Right? The Lord is my helper. Everybody good? So let's, let's now... Um, so jo- Joseph has doth, done nothing wrong to deserve any of these things. The treatment from his brothers when they, when they threw him in that pit and they sold him to the Ishmaelites to be a slave and then they ended up taking him to Egypt, selling him to Potiphar and then he comes to... Uh, he finds favor with Potiphar and, and, and begins to come up there. But he's done nothing wrong at this point. And this reminds us of this, this reality of living on earth. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Amen. Now let's admit tonight that, that many of the bad things that we've experienced come from our own doing. Hmm, am I in the right church? Yeah. Amen. But then there are those times when you have no idea what the heck happened. You know, it just, it just leaves you wondering, like, what? What? You're not alone in that. That happens to all good people. All right? It happens to all good people. Yeah. Amen. It's what you do in those moments that will determine your outcome. It's, it's what you decide to do. It's what you decide to say in those moments. You know, I, I, I have to remind myself of that scripture when David said, when evil is before me, I put my hand over my mouth. My grandma used to say, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. God is there to turn that situation around. 
even whether, whether it was brought on by yourself or whether it was just a total shock to your system, that God can be there in that moment to turn that situation around for your good because that's what He's come to do, Amen. right? That's what, he's able to turn everything into good. So you can chalk this up. Whatever has come to you, whatever trouble came, whether you brought it on yourself or not, it was a result of the world, the flesh, or the devil. Yeah. <laughs> but God is there on your side. Say, God's on my side tonight. Amen. All right, let's go to Genesis 39. Let's read verse 5. So it was from the time that he had made him, that is Potiphar, made Joseph overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Now, Potiphar is not Pharaoh, all right? Potiphar is the general of the army, okay? So all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now it's going to take us a different direction. There's a reason why all of a sudden it just threw that on there. Joseph's a good-looking guy. All right? It says that Potiphar put everything in his hand, and Potiphar did not even know what he had because he totally entrusted his goods, everything, to Joseph. All right? So guess what happened? Things have turned around for Joseph now, haven't they? He went from a slave to second-in-command in Potiphar's house, overseeing everything, administrating everything in Potiphar's house. Extraordinary. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Yeah. It wasn't about what he had. It was about who had him. Okay? So because of that, he couldn't help but come up. He could not help but succeed. He could not help but be promoted. He could not help but be exalted. Amen. So now it says he's good looking. Now verse 7, and it came to pass after these things. Now we don't know exactly how much time has gone by, but we do know somewhere in this, this timeline, uh, he's somewhere in his early 20s at this point, Joseph is. After these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Why? Because he's good looking. And she said to him, who did this? Potiphar's who? Potiphar's wife. Lie with me. Joseph had an opportunity right here in this moment. And things have turned around immensely for him, for the good. And he's the second man in charge now. Now, I want to say this because I want you to, to be aware and, and, and understand tonight that when these kinds of things happen, your turnarounds, you know, when, when, when things come back up in your life, and that's just the way it is because we have pressures of life, things come, trouble comes, but God is able to bring us back up, right? But it's in those moments when things get good, you're going to have an opportunity to compromise. Just know that because that's a, the devil sees that as a vulnerability in your life. Because a lot of times when things are good, we're not so apt to be praying and seeking God as when we are in trouble. Can we just admit that tonight? We've grown up enough to admit that tonight? Huh? Was, I mean, I'll never forget when 9-11, on 9-11, watching all of our statesmen, our congressmen, senators standing on the front steps of the Capitol building singing, God bless America. Right? Amen. All of a sudden, we, we need God. Right? It's those moments of crisis 
when, when the true nature, the true us who truly knows that God is there, calls out to him. And, mo- and many times, unfortunately, that happens <laughs> in, the, in the tough times. We should be talking to him all the time. But here's the deal. When that good comes, and you take a breath of fresh air, the enemy is going to, remember, he's relentless. He roams about seeking for opportunities, right? And there's that opportunity to come right. Joseph's got everything going for him right now, and all of a sudden, now, temptation comes. Listen, the opportunity to compromise will come, but you don't have to go. You don't have to go with it. You don't have to go there. Can I get a good amen? You don't, you don't have to fall for it. If you read any history on Egypt, you, you, you'll find that Potiphar's wife was one of the most beautiful women during that time. And as a matter of fact, the Egyptian women were the most beautiful, considered the most beautiful in all the world. So he's got the babe of babes after him, all right? Imagine this. Now remember, he's somewhere in his early 20s. Come on, you guys in your early 20s, do you remember what that's like? Some of you are in your early 20s right now. You know what that's like? Amen. I mean, this guy's... He's got so much testosterone, he could jumpstart a dead elephant. (laughs) And he's got this chick after him. Now watch this. Let's continue to read. Another thing, what what about this? What What if Joseph thought, yeah, why not? Why not? I didn't ask to be in Egypt. I was put here. What would hurt now? I mean, really, who's going to know? Because there's no way she's going to tell. Because according to their laws, if two were caught in adultery, both of them were beheaded. All right? So he knows that she's not going to talk. Nobody would ever know. Come on, Joseph, live a little. Or maybe somewhere down the road, I could have her on my side in an issue, should an issue arise. But look at this, verse 8, but he refused. Let's say all that, let's all say that together. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. This guy is the ultimate delegator, isn't he? (laughs) Hands-free delegate. Here you go. Committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. One of the greatest things that you can do when temptation comes to your life is open your mouth and call it what it is. Joseph called this a great wickedness. He called this sin against God. He did not take one moment to hesitate, to think about it, to to reason this thing out to where he could finally justify why it's okay. No, he called it what it was. Now, family, that's the greatest thing right there. Open your mouth and say, no, I'm not doing that. That is sin. Because if you linger in it long enough, you'll figure out a reason why it's okay. Now, I'm not 
I know I'm not talking to any of you. I'm talking to other people that go to other churches. You guys are living perfect lives, I know. Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. When you look this up in the original Hebrew, it, it actually says she spoke to him several times a day, every day. I mean, she's after this young man. That he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. He's, okay, let's, let's keep going. Verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. Oh, yikes. So it seems that the Bible tells us this part because probably prior to that, Joseph had safeguards set up where he knew that as long as there were some other people in there, you know, it was going to be okay, even though she's whispering in his ear, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And, and he's just making sure that he stays near other company. But this day he goes in, and there's no other attendance in the house. Now look what, look what happens. Joseph doesn't take opportunity here. Look at verse 12, that she caught him by the garment. All right? She took opportunity, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. I don't know if this woman is just that strong, or she's just that determined, but I mean, she stripped this guy of his clothes, all right? So she's got his robe in her hand, poor Joseph. He runs and flees outside. Watch this, verse 14, and that, uh, it happened, so it was that when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called, verse 14, to the men, of, who she called to? To the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, see, he has brought in to us, talking about Potiphar, a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. What a witch. All right, verse 15. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So what happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Verse 20, Then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. All the way back down again. The pit, Potiphar's house, and now he finds himself in prison. Now, if you'll allow me to speculate for just a moment, because it is speculation, but just by the kind of the attitude of this whole story, I'm gathering, my, my personal opinion is Potiphar didn't totally believe his wife. Because if, if, if he really believes her that this was attempted rape, he's going to kill this young man. All right, he's not going to have anything to do with it. His anger, I believe, is aroused at the entire situation. Had it only been her that told Potiphar and not the men of the house, they might have could have worked something out. But remember, she made this announcement to all the men in the house. Potiphar knows that everybody knows her side of the story. What's he, he has to act. He has to take action here, right? What can he do? And I think it angered him that he had to do something Instead of killing Joseph, because I really don't believe that he believed his wife. I mean, if she's after this young man the way she is, surely he has seen some hints of this before. Right? Yeah. Amen. So now, 
he sends him to prison. The Egyptian prisons were no walk in the park. They dug deep holes in the earth, and they lowered them down in those deep, dark, dank dungeons. So now, what has Joseph done wrong? Nothing. His character has stayed intact. And now he's paying for a crime that he did not commit. This is another parallel, remember, of him and Christ. Wrongfully accused and sentenced to prison. He's done nothing wrong. And we're going to find out the next phase of Joseph's life. But I want to just take a moment here tonight. And um, when you look into, the, James talks about the word being a mirror, doesn't it? And when we look into the word, we see the word shows us who we really are. It actually is, is really a unique mirror because you look in a, a natural mirror, it tells you, it shows you who you are right now. Right? You might like that or not, but the mirror is not going to lie. It's going to show you who you are right now. Yeah. Now, the mirror can't show you who you were. And the mirror can't show you who you're going to be in the next 30 minutes. Hopefully not too much changes in the next 30 minutes, but it, can't reveal, it only can reveal what you are right now. Yeah. I have a feeling I, I know what kept Joseph holding on. And that is the uniqueness of the Word being likened to a mirror is the Word shows you who you were, who you are, and what you can be. That's the glory of it. It tells you who you were, that you were totally, hopelessly lost in sin, dead in your trespasses, right? That's where we were, dead because of one man's sin, death came to all men, born sinners. But because of one man's righteous act, many are made alive, many are made righteous by faith. And so the reality right now is, child of God, that you are right now, the right now righteousness of God in Christ. Can I get a good amen tonight? That's where you are. But then you read these promises as Peter so beautifully describes them, these exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is, so God shows you through his promises what he's willing to give you. And what your life can look like more and more, the more you attach yourself to those promises, the more you take them into your life, confessing them, believing them, declaring them until you're living in the reality of those promises. So it shows you what it can be, what your life can be like. Amen. So Joseph clearly knew who he was. He knew that he was the great-grandson of Abraham, the one who God started all of this with in the first place. He knew uh, that he was in a covenant family. He served the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was part of that lineage that was promised by God to Abraham, saying this, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So shall your descendants be. Joseph, knowing that he was a descendant of Abraham, he would be blessed and he would increase. But now, right now in Joseph's situation is he's hated by his brothers. His father's missing him terribly, doesn't even know he's alive. And now he finds himself in prison. That is his right now reality.
But he also, in his life, saw the potential of what could be when he began to dream. And he talked about those dreams knowing that they were God was locking those up for the future. Don't you know that that's the moment he had to remind himself, this isn't the dream. If this isn't the dream, then this isn't the end. Hmm? This isn't everything. What God has promised you, that dream that he's put in your heart, where you are right now is not there. Whatever trouble or difficulty you find yourself in, you need to open your mouth and say, this isn't the dream. That means this isn't the end. Hmm? This isn't the dream. Then this isn't the end. And when you sink your teeth into God's promises, then you will face and you will overcome anything that the devil throws at you. Because the dream in your heart will keep you moving forward. Hmm? Those promises, no, 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 I want what God has said. I'm not, I'm not settling. I'm not compromising. I'm not holding back. I'm not going backwards. No, 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 I'm going for the dream. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you that your word teaches us that you give us both a future and a hope. All of us are going into the future, but all of us who belong to you are going into a hopeful future. So, Lord, that helps us have the right kind of perspective on what is happening in our lives right now in this moment. Though what we see in the mirror is not what we see in your word, Lord. It might be where we are now, but thank God it's not the end. What we are experiencing right now, thank God it's not the end. It's not the end all. Lord, we, we trust you. We believe your word. We believe your report. We believe that your word is alive in us right now. And that when we speak your word, we begin to put together, it's building material, Lord, for where we're going. We begin to construct the kind of life that you've called us to, to live, God, to be partakers continually of your nature or the God kind of life. Lord, we thank you that you've called us. Lord, you chose us. You brought us into the world by your grace, by your design, Lord, by your purpose in this time. You called us by name. You knew our names before we ever even knew you. And Father, I thank you that you help us and you've given us your word to hold on to, to believe it and to declare it. So that faith, Lord, faith is what we, we hold on to because it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. It's more than just wishful thinking. It is a substance and it is a evident, an evidence, Lord. So that we call those things that be not as though they were. Because faith is the right now reality of the life of the believer. It is the title deed in our hand. So Father, we hold on to you tonight and we believe God. Come on, turn to somebody tonight and just tell them these words. Have faith in God. Have faith. In God. I'll finish with this. Brother Copeland, Brother Kenneth Copeland, I, I heard this story years and years ago. He uh, was one of the sons of the great Kenneth Hagin, who had his beginning, his beginning in McKinney, Texas. Kenneth Hagin, who founded Rama Bible Institute and, and taught us how to walk by faith and, and 
basically preached a hole in his pages of Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24, which says, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And it was that he basically built his ministry around that, that theme uh, and the believer's authority. Um, but Brother Copeland was having some difficulty, he and Gloria, in their ministry after a number of years and really had already uh, found a lot of success at this point. But they'd come up against something they didn't know what to do about. And it was lingering. And so that's when he called Papa Hagen. And um, Brother Hagen invited him to come up to Tulsa to see him. So he and Gloria went there and um, went to see him, went to his house. And they got some coffee and were out on the front porch. And Brother Copeland says that he, he just kind of walked around the porch and just kind of sh- just opened up his heart to him. And Brother Hagen sat there and listened to him. And he's just ranting about all the trouble that they've been having and going on and on and on. And finally he finished and you know, got it all off of his chest. And he said, Brother Hagen stood up from his chair and he said, he walked right over to me, put his hand on my shoulder. I said, well, Kenneth, keep walking by faith. <laughs> you could have told me that on the phone. <laughs> you have you come all the way out here tell me keep walking by faith. I've heard that a thousand times. You need to hear it again. What other answers can I give you? It's your faith in God that's the victory that overcomes the world. What good is it going to do for me to get in your little emotional thing here and philosophize with you and try to reason things out rather than just tell you the truth? Have faith in God. You'll win. You'll come out on top. So I want to remind you tonight. Have faith in God. Whatever you're saying. This is the answer you need to hear huh? when you're in the darkness. You need to hear, have faith in God. When you're weak in faith, you need to hear, have faith in God. Are you hearing me? When you're troubled, have faith in God. All right? Believe Him. Glory to God. Amen. Let's stand together. Hope you've been encouraged tonight. This Sunday, our prophetic conference begins. June 12th, praise God. So we'll, it'll actually begin Sunday night, but don't, don't stay home Sunday morning just because you're coming Sunday night. Don't be like, well, that'll be my service on Sunday. All right. So Sunday morning and then Sunday night will be my brother, Pastor Brandon, and uh, Richard Mendez. They're going to be ministering together. I'm really excited about that. That's going to be about, it's going to be like watching two-thirds of the Stooges together. You, you won't want to miss that with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I mean, gosh, can it get better than that? The Stooges and the Holy Ghost. And then um, Monday night will be Pastor Burt Wimberly from uh, Kerrville, Texas, what my dad calls the prettiest town in Texas. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, of course, all of your favorites, uh, Pastor Roxanne Alexander is going to be with us. So I'm so excited about this. And I want to encourage you, would you just be praying about this, this conference over the next few days? Just be praying for it and, and uh, just believing. Let's, let's get our expectations way up there, huh? Because you know what the truth is? The last, probably the last five years, I've said, 
this is the best conference we've had yet. This, no, this is the best one, and the next year, it gets better. The next, no, no, this year, no, really, really, this year is the best year, and sure enough, the next year, it gets better. So I, I believe that. I, I believe it's going to be the same way this year. It's going to, remember what we've been praying? Of course, are you getting your scriptures every week? No, you're, okay, good. So, but remember Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Amen. So we expect those things. We expect the great and the mighty things. Amen. At this conference specific. So just be praying for that. Be praying for all of our speakers. And so, amen. Father, thank you for this time together with my family tonight. Let me, right quick, does anybody here need healing tonight, right now in your physical body? I want you to raise your hand. Right now, I just let the Lord just tug on me for that. All right, okay, if you would please look around and you see someone with their hand up, would you go over and just lay your hand on them? We're going to agree, agree together because the scripture says that believers lay their hands on the infirmed and they recover. All right, so just by you laying in your hand, there's healing right now being transferred. Lord, we thank you for that. We just declared that these bodies are healed in Jesus' name, strengthened from within and without, in the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord, every tissue, every cell, every fiber of their being to operate, to function at peak proficiency. I speak health to their, to their, to their organs, Lord, to their, to their, uh, uh, um, their cardiovascular system, Lord, their respiratory system, their nervous system, Lord, their, their, their uh, intestinal system, Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name that they are healed. Thoroughly healed, Lord, thriving in health and wholeness, not just feeling a little bit better. No, totally, completely healed in Jesus' name. We declare it. We want the great and the mighty things in Jesus' name. We want the evidence of God's touch. We want to see that come to fruition in our lives. We don't want to just see what what a, a drug can also do. No! We want what God has said we can have. Healing and wholeness, and we thank you for it now, right now in Jesus' name. We declare that it is finished because Jesus said it's finished. It is done because he said it's done. And he bears marks, scars upon his back to prove that he's in this thing for good. He's paid for it. Thank you, Lord, for it. And now, Father, I thank you that you bless your people and they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Lord, though their enemy comes at them one way, he'll have to flee in seven because they're blessed in the city. They're blessed everywhere they go in the country. Lord, I'm blessed on their jobs. They're blessed in their marriages. Their children are blessed to the Lord. They will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety. Thank you for that, God. Lord, thank you that, that, uh, that your, the mountains and the hills break forth with singing and the trees of the field clap their hands as we go forth from this place tonight with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for favor that surrounds them as with a shield. Before they get where they're going, the shield of favor has already been there on their defense. Thank you, Lord, on their behalf. Thank you, Lord. And you make their way prosperous, and they have good success. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.